I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dustin Dunbar, Ph.D., author of You're Doing Great and Other Lies Alcohol Told Me. Dustin Dunbar had it all, a beautiful wife, two sweet baby girls, a degree in psychology, and properties around the world, the building blocks of a nascent real estate empire. All the while, he happily believed every lie alcohol told him, such as how whiskey, beer, and doing shots are an integral part of being a real man. It wasn't until after many damaging years of alcohol dependency that he escaped what he dubs the alcohol matrix, breaking free from the myths that alcohol compelled him to believe in. Dustin Dunbar exposes the practices used by advertisers and marketers to entrap us to drink and invites us to discover the real you that thrives on the other side of addiction. He's a coach at wearetheafr.org, a nonprofit online community helping others with alcohol addiction. He was handpicked by Ryan Seacrest in 2009 as the Shrink and Life Coach on L.A. Shrink and Dallas Life Coach. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Dustin. Thank you so much, Catherine. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. (laughs) You know, that beautiful introduction makes me think of this, and I have to ask you this. I don't know if you know this song, but the devil may... The devil made me do it the first time, the second time I did it on my own. Do you know that song? I do. Yeah, that's an old one, but a good one. (laughs) Yeah, it's an old one, but a good one. But I'm thinking of you, right? I mean, alcohol is telling you what to do, and you're doing it until, I guess, age 48, and then you stopped, right? Correct. Yeah, it was one of those things that was just in my consciousness, you know, coming in, and uh, then it just kept going with all kinds of advertisements every day saying you can drink moderately and responsibly, no problems. And other, you know, people telling me, oh, two drinks a night is no problem. And so, yeah, I just followed along. And then, you know, whenever you're messing with a 100% addictive substance that I didn't know at the time that was 100% addictive, uh, because people were saying, oh, there's only a certain class of people who can get addicted, even AA, the top health you know, in, in alcohol addiction, subscribe to the idea that there's a, just a certain percentage of people that can uh, have, you know, what is called like the alcohol allergy or gene or personality, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I just kept drinking and thinking I was doing okay and being social and then uh, got addicted after a while. Well, you're describing what they're saying. You know, it's, you could, it's hereditary. You might have the gene but you did have, I mean, I can understand that. Your father, you had an alcohol-addicted father and grandfather. So Yeah, both sides, yeah. right? Both sides. And what we're finding is it doesn't matter with all the new science of ethanol. Ethanol is the scientific uh, word term for alcohol. And it's the same exact substance, same exact thing. And whenever we're researching and studying ethanol in the brain now with CT scans and with rats, and the whole bit, everything knows, we now know for a fact that uh, it is 100% addictive and nobody can handle their alcohol. And so whenever we hear these ads, you know, saying, oh, are people two nights, two drinks a night, or even some of them are saying it's healthy and, you know, takes the edge off all this stuff. It is absolutely false. And that's what this is all about is me getting out there to people and screaming from the mountaintops and saying, this is a 100% addictive substance. You cannot handle your alcohol. I played some rugby over in Europe and the biggest 
baddest, tattooed, bald-headed, meanest rugby player you've ever seen cannot handle his alcohol. I've witnessed that firsthand myself, pretty much every uh, rugby player is such a part of the culture of rugby. And they're all, uh, you know, in the same boat, and we're all sitting around going, "Oh my gosh, what was that all about?" And so, well, do we have yeah, to? Is it an all or nothing thing? We nobody can handle it because now I'm thinking of when you talk about Europe, and I was thinking of well, it's what comes to mind obviously is the French because that's they drink at every meal, and are they? What is? Uh, you don't have to. We don't have to talk about them versus us, but uh, they do drink wine, for instance, is that, you know, they do drink wine. Do they necessarily, or do we necessarily become addicted? So if we, that first sip, it's over. Sure. There's different levels of addiction. And I have lived all over the world for a year at a time in different spots, including Europe, Spain, Italy, uh, including France, Spain, Italy. And those don't believe there are just (laughs) as many people who are addicted to alcohol in those countries as there are in the U.S., Australia, uh, Asia, it doesn't matter. The entire planet is pretty much addicted to alcohol as we speak. Eighty Up to 86% of adults drink alcohol, and it's definitely one of those things that we want to treat just like cigarettes. This is a 100% addictive substance, just like tobacco. And what we were told, you know, about tobacco in the 50s, 60s, 70s, is it made you look cool, it's sexy, it takes the edge off, it does all these things. They were even touting like health benefits of relaxation and better sleep. And you look at those tobacco commercials and you're like, oh my gosh, now the exact same thing is happening with big alcohol is doing this brainwashing on us saying, look how sexy you can be in these ads. Uh, it take, it's going to make you relax. You're going to have more fun at parties. And it's this luxurious elixir of life whenever what you're doing is putting poison in your body. And it's just going to be a downward spiral. And at some point, once enough of this ethanol alcohol is consumed, you will get addicted. And like I was saying, is that there's different levels of addiction. There's mild, medium, and severe. And so, yeah, okay, let's having, t- I want to you know, stop there because I want to talk about the different levels because I'm mm-hmm, thinking about sure. do I have to stop drinking after I have this interview with you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to kind of measure my levels here. So let's talk about those levels one, two, and three. What about one? What, what kind, what's that level? How does that affect us? Yeah, mild is just, if I kind of relate it to cigarettes. I go back to that a lot. If you're smoking a cigarette a night, do you think that you would be addicted to tobacco? Is that something that you're sitting there going, ooh, and if you start saying in your head that you need it, you're starting to crave it in any way with your body, you're starting to say, ooh, I really could, my, I could use a cigarette. Or, or if you start believing it psychologically that you need it to do anything to relax, to go to a social event, to, uh, you know, unwind from a, from a stressful day. Those two things are extremely big red flashing lights. And so then you start getting into, uh, things like sober October, uh, dry January, those two things. If you start doing, thinking you need to do those two things, that definitely is a thing where you need to get out of denial People who do not have any kind of drinking issues whatsoever don't think they need to sober October up or dry January themselves. And it's very, very 
telling signs that you are slipping into more addiction. And the really thing that I'm really screaming at everybody is you got to watch out. Luckily, I stopped before I got into severe addiction, you know, and that's, that's the old school term that I hate the most where people are like, oh, alcoholic, you know, and oh, they're dreaded alcoholic and that kind of thing. And it's the 10%, that's only 10% of people who are actually addicted to alcohol. So then that, every one of those people started at the lowest first level. And then it just, just like any addictive substance, you just keep consuming more and more and it keeps taking over. Yeah, well, I would agree, you know, that comparison to smoking in my 20s, that's what I was doing, smoking, like you said, and then had to stop and put myself on a program and did stop. I haven't had, I'm not going to tell you how many years, but a lot of years and obviously never smoked again. And, uh, but uh, as you say, doctors use, I used to go to the doctor and he's sitting there smoking on a cigarette. That was just, you know, uh, or in hospitals and I'm a social worker. I did a lot of hospital social work. Everybody was smoking. Uh, But as you say, if you have to really think about it, that and you're not in the mild stage if you're thinking well i have to stop for as you say what is it you know those two january you know you know you're not supposed to smoke it uh drink anything what about functional alcoholics because they are alcoholics and people high functioning people who maybe are not functioning as high as they could be if they weren't drinking yeah i just want to touch on your the cigarette thing my mother was a smoker and <laughs> same thing she, she i talked to her about it and she quit you know and she's like oh my gosh she's slapping her forehead she's like i used to think i was sexier the ads all told me that it was cool that it would take the edge off and you know that all these things and now you know she's like oh my goodness i was so brainwashed by the yeah. ads and everybody else in society and and so it was just the thing to do and like be social. And now though she's disgusted by them. She is like, oh, it's, they cause cancer. They, oh, I get around smoking. I'm like gagging, and they make me stink and all this stuff. This is exactly how I am, and how people that go through the AFR, the Alcohol Free Revolution, uh, become they become disgusted by even looking at at alcohol because like a really nice glass of wine all I can see is 13% ethanol in there. And just, I get like gag reflux of like, why would I put car fuel in my body and just feel terrible after? Yeah. You're going to get a little bit of that high in the beginning. And then it's a horrible downward spiral because all that is, is 100% toxin uh, that is cancer causing and 200 other physical diseases, not to mention all the psychological issues that it brings up as well. And then as far as being functional with alcohol, yeah, you can go for a while. I was extremely high functioning. I grew up really poor in the Midwest and then got into sales. Uh, you know, I had CEOs flying me around, doing these golf courses, paying me tons of money, schmoozing, you know, employee and uh, employers and things like that. And um, drinking, you know, first class flights, golf courses, doing tequila shots all these things, you know, for years. And, but at the same time, I felt terrible and it was just a downward spiral. I wanted to eat bad food. I was definitely overweight. I was like, not, not flourishing at all. And just thinking that this is just how it is. Whenever you get older, you just get lower energy, you gain weight, you get the big belly, all these things. And no, I took away alcohol four years ago. Uh, I have my, I have a six pack. I, I can, I can uh, get up early in the morning. I want to eat great food. I want to play with my kids. 
I don't want to sit on the couch and just watch football all the time and eat, you know, fried food and wings. It's just this beautiful life that is, once, once I remove the poison out of my system, I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am. I'm like a six, seven-year-old kid again with tons of joy just blossoming out of me. This has been for four years. So you stopped at 48. So now you're 52, right? Is that what you're? Correct. And you're beautiful. You're handsome. You're eating well. You're doing everything. Is uh, It's a, t- a metamorphosis kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's complete metamorphosis. And it's bizarre because it was really difficult for me at the first to stop when I stopped because I didn't really, I did not resonate at all with AA. I don't believe in alcoholics. I believe that there are people who get addicted to alcohol and then they overcome it and they no longer crave it and they don't want it. Just like a cigarette smoker, like I was talking about, they see it as disgusting. And so now I am a joyous alcohol-free man. I did never call anybody an alcoholic. That's just the stigma that goes along with that. And so we got to get over those kinds of things of, look, it's not the person's fault here. This is a, an addictive substance. And so that's what I'm just telling everybody. Look, there's no shame. There's no guilt. You were brainwashed since birth. You saw five advertisements a day marketed towards you as a child with bullfrogs, the Budweiser frogs croaking on the bench, you know, Budweiser, and then the toucans. That for what they can they can sell cereal toucans and they can also sell alcohol you know with the Guinness toucan and it's just amazing what big alcohol advertising uh, did to all of us and it's still doing with Crown Royal Apple is now I saw an ad with that and it's like this apple juice looking stuff and I'm watching it with my kids I'm watching their eyes and there you can just tell that they're like wow that looks really good and the beautiful bodies are dancing around in the Caribbean. And this apple juice, uh, 40% ethanol, is dripping off the screen saying, come and have fun and have this dancing life, this forbidden fruit. And I'm watching the brainwashing happen. And so what we're really going is we're getting trying to get alcohol advertising banned, uh, just like we have cigarettes. What about enablers in your life? I mean, have there been any? Are there people who in, have did enable you to drink and then still trying to get you there? Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, the, the consciousness, the alcohol matrix monster has a way of, you know, everybody around you is in that, you know, when I said eight, about around 80% of people, adults drink. Well, everybody who is in that wants you to drink with them. And so it's like if you're not drinking with them, then you are on the outside. And that's why I created the Alcohol-Free Revolution is to be with like-minded people who are like, wait a minute, this stuff is terrible. I watched, you know, so many people around me get hurt and everybody's acting like they're having such a great time. And there's so much like sexual abuse that happened in college. 50% of women in college uh, get sexually abused and they're relating it to all the alcohol that's going on. Uh, there will always be psychopaths, I understand that, that, are, that do that, but the numbers would be way, way less. So, yeah, the enabling is just everywhere. It's, it's just part of that consciousness that we have, this collective uh, illusion in our, in our human psyche from years and years and years of alcohol being the only painkiller 
that has ever that's been around. And so up until about 200 years ago, it was the only substance that we had to kill any kind of physical or uh, psychological pain. And we just use it and use it and use it. And now we've gotten to the point where, number one, we don't need it anymore. We have, you know, air conditioning, heat. We're not in just tons of pain out in the prairie, you know, trying to survive. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is we uh, just we've got to overcome this consciousness of that illusion that alcohol benefits us in any way because it is it is absolutely poisonous, toxic, uh, cancer-causing substance. But what about, and I've noticed this, Justin, some of the people that I know, including some friends who had do have drinking problems, stopped drinking, but now they've morphed in to take, uh, doing gummies, which is another addiction problem. Uh, it's a substitute for alcohol. Absolutely. And what the whole point of this is if you're using something for a crutch, to get by with life. If you're saying, Ooh, I need this to be social. I need this to wind down. I need this to, to sleep. And, it, and you're using it on a consistent, any kind of consistent basis. That is addiction. That is an issue, a big issue. And you need to go in there and say, why am I doing this? What is underneath the pain of why I can't, I don't feel like I can go to a social event without this and that, you know, you're getting into self-confidence and then you, that's where you got to go in and you got to go within yourself and say, okay, you know, where did it start? And it's almost always in childhood when, you know, you're like me, I was abandoned by my father. He was very abusive to my mother. I watched that happen. And whenever I quit drinking, it took me two years of everyday personal development from uh, therapy to private therapy, to group therapy, to spiritual retreats, meditation, yoga, uh, you name it. I was doing, I was doing breath work. I was doing Reiki, everything to be like, okay, what's going on? I learned that I had a massive fear of abandonment issues from my childhood that was unconscious that I had been masking uh, and suppressing with alcohol. And so it doesn't really matter. Like you're saying, you go from one thing to another, cigarettes, gummies, alcohol, whatever you're doing, you need to stop and look within. And once you do that Carl Jung quote where he says, you go into that darkest cave and you look at the shadow, there's there's 99% pure gold in there. So don't be afraid. Get in with us, the Alcohol Free Revolution. And we have tons of coaches set up for free to talk about these feelings and, and get through it. Yeah, tell us about the process because I, I want to know about that, and so does the audience. But we are the, which I said, we are the alcoholfreerevolution.org. It's an online, as I said in the beginning, a nonprofit online community. How does that work? What, how, if somebody wants to get online and get aboard? Yes, we are the AFR.org, and I've set it up because I didn't have any help that I resonated it with at all. We know four years ago, and I set it up for people where because and I felt very alone. I felt like a raw nerve, kind of walking around and just exposed, and like where do I turn? What do I do? And so now I have this very safe space where people can come in, be super vulnerable. We have tons of fun. Our meetings are really fun. It's it's crazy because we don't talk about alcohol that much. We talk about relationship issues mostly and how to communicate and deal with uh, you know very stressful type situations with 
bosses, with teenagers, with spouses, with partners, and that takes the edge off in a very healthy way. And also how to speak to ourselves and how to forgive ourselves for the past, what we went through. And you just, that is the most important part of healing once you come out of any kind of addiction is, is just really, because you're going to take a really hard look at yourself in the mirror because this, this substance is taken off of you. And that's where this beautiful joy will start surfacing and coming up. So yeah, all they have to do is go to wearetheafr.org and join school. It's 100% you and all my coaches. I've got breathwork coaches. I've got Reiki coaches. I've got a hypnotherapist from England. I've got them all over the world. We're all volunteers just ready to you know, help people. And the people that you're helping, the demographics, age, is there any limit, Well, any limitations on age or, or is that or there are not or no. what? No, no. It's wide open to everybody and anybody can come in and, uh, you know, it, it is kind of common, though, that people go through enough pain of drinking alcohol and they're in their, you know, 40s to 50s is is pretty common. That's when they start being like, wait a minute, what is this stuff? Uh, most people, you know, have that slow drip addiction, you know, that, that I did, uh, you know, only that 10% just immediately get hooked right away. And that's pretty much with any addictive substance too. You know, whenever, some people who started smoking, they get addicted right away. Uh, heroin users, 50% get addicted right away, but the other 50% takes a little while and stuff like that. And so the same with alcohol, uh, this addiction substance is no different than anything else. And yeah, so, but I would say the average age is, in, you know, probably 40, 50. So you're saying you don't necessarily have to hit rock bottom, which is what kind of, I think uh, they talk about that in AA, but uh, some people can catch themselves before they, and I think you did, right? I mean, you were able to do that before you just lost everything. Yeah, and I just want to say I love AA. I have nothing but compassion, and they're on the same exact team as me. My brother was in AA, helped them out tremendously, my grandfather. And so becoming alcohol-free is not a competition. And so whenever I talk about it, AA, the only thing that I really say we really need to change in AA is look at the science. We've got to look at the, the new science. AA was founded in 1935, and all they had around was x-rays at the time. And they couldn't see what was going on with the brain and ethanol running through it. And the new science all shows that a, that alcohol is 100% addictive, that it causes cancer and 200 other diseases. So whenever we are now saying this, we've got to be like, okay, that's the evolution of this, uh, is that nobody can handle their alcohol. You know, the whole idea that only a certain class of people that AA uh, was founded on cannot handle their alcohol, that they have a some hidden myth allergy is what it was. That's what they said. That's what they came up with um, is completely false. And we must evolve out of that consciousness and tell everybody, tell our kids, this is a 100% addictive substance. You must be so careful with it. Just like you would around a child whenever somebody's smoking cigarettes around you, we all are like, oh, that's gross. Yuck. You're, you, that gets you addicted. And like, it causes cancer and da, da, da. that's what we need to do. We need to start doing with our children with alcohol. Is, hey, this is so addictive. This causes cancer and so many other problems. You've got to be so careful with it. And just the same exact uh, teachings. What about your daughters? Because you, I mentioned in the beginning, you have the 
to little girls and I don't know how old they are, but what is their response? Because you're teaching, here's another quote, teaching your children well. I, uh, what, uh, what what do they have to say or how do they respond to all of that? Yeah, they they love it and it's awesome. And they are even sharing it with their, their friends. I overhear them, you know, talking to their friends and they're like, the, just the other day, one of them, the 11-year-old was like talking to her friend and there was a beer can and she said, did you know that alcohol causes seven different types of cancer to her friend? And I was so proud. And then she had, for her birthday, she asked that no alcohol be served at her party, you know, just out of nowhere. And there's just things like that where the younger generations are, are waking up and we're seeing less uh, drinking in the younger generations because they are really starting to see through the lies of advertising, big alcohol advertising, and the new science is coming out as well about it. Well, your girls got the message. They're spreading the they're spreading your word or spreading the word, I guess, right? Um, well, we where we have a couple minutes left, so give us some website or websites to go to. Besides, is there any others besides the one that we we are the AFR dot org website? Yeah, there's two in that we are the AFR.org. There's two things that anybody can go and sign up and just be like to ban alcohol advertising. That's the whole universe. We want everybody. We're 20 million people is the goal for that to get the petition really strong. And we're going to do a two year push to get everybody to sign up for just to ban alcohol advertising. That's number one. Stop brainwashing our children. The other side is if you want to get into the coaching and you want to learn to control alcohol, or if you just want relationship uh, stuff or help other people talk about alcohol, we're there for you on the other side. So there's two ways to sign up for that. Uh, Dustin-Dunbar.com is where you can find my book, uh, You're Doing Great and Other Lies Alcohol Told Me, is the title. And Dustin Dunbar AFG is my Instagram and that's free to follow. And I give tons of uh, tips and it's just all free. And I'm just giving back at this point in my life. I'm retired and just want to uh, help other people out. Retired at 52. Yeah, I actually retired at 50 and I grew up super poor in Oklahoma <laughs> and it was all about real estate. You know, it just, it just boomed and it was such a blessing. But what that's enabled me to do is now just focus on this and give back uh, 100%. And so all proceeds of the book go to helping those fighting alcohol addiction. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was um, obviously a lot of good information and a lot of fun. Um, you're doing great. Another lies alcohol told me, Dustin Dunbar, PhD. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Mm-hmm. 